Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Dictated, as almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Uh, today is Friday, August the uh, 14th, according to my BlackBerry. This is episode 257, I believe, of the Survival Podcast. I just cannot keep the number in my head because I do this every day and the number keeps getting bigger and confusing me. <laughs> anyway, um, once again, I am brought Broadcasting from my personal mobile studio. To those of you that may be new to the show, you might think sometimes it sounds like a guy's in a car. That's because I'm in a car. I'm in my 2006 Jetta Diesel TDI, routinely reaching speeds of 80 plus miles an hour while I dictate the survival podcast to you, which means I don't have much more than an outline. There is no script here. Um, there is a formula, though, a format, and today we're going to continue with it, and that is an intro segment uh, around a hero of the day and an ass clown of the day, uh, which is usually a hero and ass clown of the day before, honestly. And um, then we go through a little bit of housekeeping and then we do our main subject. Well, our main subject today is going to be hunting squirrels. Yes, hunting squirrels. And you might think, how the hell can a guy talk for 20 or 30 minutes about hunting and squ- hunting a squirrel? It's a pretty simple thing. It's a little gray fuzzy thing, climbs up a tree, you shoot it, and that's it, right? Wrong. I'm going to give you a lot of information on squirrel hunting and uh, attracting and managing land for squirrels as well. And uh, some interesting things about the little critters I think you'll like. And uh, if, you're, if you're not into hunting and squirrels, stick around. You might enjoy today's show anyway. But let's start out with... Um, or ass clown of the day. If you're new, I want to point out I am not a conservative Republican. I am a libertarian. I will bash Republicans from time to time, but today the ass clown is the head ass clown, Barack Obama. Barack Obama decided he needed to get out there and do some of these town hall speeches like all of his uh, drones in the Congress and Senate have been doing. Get out there with the people, listen to them, hear what they have to say, dispel their fears. Well, a town hall meeting sir, is a two-way street, especially when you take your dumbass up to New England, where they invented the thing. In a town hall meeting in New England, the people are supposed to get, you know, equal time to speak, not be spoken over, but the ass clown outspoke the people nine to one. The actual word count, 8,619 words spouted by the ass clown. All the people together in the town hall were allowed to speak 1,186 words. Words, so his magnanimous ass clownness could tell them what they should think rather than hear what they thought. Um, Mr. Obama, 
Man, I'll call you that. I don't care who doesn't like it. Since I already called you ass clown, it doesn't seem to matter. Mr. Obama, sir, let me suggest that if you're going to go to the foundational place where town hall meetings come from and speak to the people that care enough to show up at them, that you educate yourself a little bit beyond Harvard and you learn yourself how to conduct yourself at such a meeting. You did not help your case with those people, I promise you. Alright, next though, who's our hero of the day? Our hero of the day is a guy by the name of John McKay. McKay, Mackey, Mackey I think is probably the right way to say his name. Who is John McKay or John Mackey? Mackey. That's Mackey. M-A-C-K-E-Y. That's Mackey. Who is John Mackey? John Mackey is the CEO of Whole Foods. Now that seems kind of like a liberal, limp-wristed, airy-fairy type of thing and you know, Obama foot worship thing, doesn't it? Well, see, the thing about owning a business and being a CEO and making it successful is it doesn't matter what your political leanings are. If you build a business from nothing like John did into a major national brand, you learn how business works and you learn how money works. And, and then, no matter how you feel about something, you got to go back to the fundamental concepts of profit and loss spending and delivery all right taking care of a customer so even though john serves um, a group of people who are obamites i mean you know if you look at the people that shop at whole foods now i don't want to piss anybody off cuz i shop at whole foods and i'm not a, an obamite but i go there and i see them there and i'd say 70 to 80% of them are people that will vote democrat without a second thought not even a question as to, well, should I vote for this guy? What does he believe? Just, that's it. I'd straight ticket people. But right? it's a liberal world. We need to save the whales and the polar bears and the little seals all at the same time. Those people. Um, so they're upset with him because he wrote an editorial about how bad an idea Obamacare is. And he proposed a pretty damn good alternative. A lot of the things that you'll hear um, from the very conservative side of things on this issue. Now, actually, I think Mr. Mackey has probably got a better freaking view than just about any politician on either side of the aisle because he's coming from the world of business. In fact, I like this article so much, I think maybe they ought to turn this issue over to this guy. I think maybe he can sort it out. So I'm just going to post a link so you can uh, read it. But am I calling him hero of the day because he has some good ideas? No. I'm calling him hero of the day because he's willing to risk um, the feelings of people who do business with him to say what he thinks and knows is right. Because I promise you he's going to take some heat over this. But you know what? Hero of the day, salute to you, sir. Thanks for standing up on your principles over your profit. We need more CEOs in America like you. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, let's go into our housekeeping. Number one, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. They do a lot to keep the show running, keep it going every day, and they provide excellent service and product. They are all personal endorsements by me. I will not take an advertiser just because they have a check in hand. They do get turned away, trust me. Even when I say, yeah, we'll take you, then they have to go before our moderators. Our moderators go and tear them apart online, look for any bad reports about them. If two or more moderators say no to an advertiser, I have to turn them away. 
you can rest assured you are dealing with a quality company if they are a sponsor of the Survival Podcast. On that note, we have two sponsors to the day today. Number one is Directive21.com, who sell Berkey uh, water filters. Water is important, folks. You need to make sure you have a constant supply, and there are plenty of times when our water supply could be compromised. These guys are who to go see about getting away to make sure you can always have good, pure, clean water when that which you have stored runs out, and we know it's impossible to really store as much water as we are going to need in a long-term disaster scenario. It's too heavy. It's too bulky. You've got to have a way to purify water uh, once it's been contaminated if you're going to deal with any disaster that may come. And the next one is murs-radio.com. They have excellent ways to extend your communications link, have complete control over them. This is not ham radio stuff. Nothing wrong with that, but because it's not, no license is required. You can get this equipment into your home and start using it right away and have a backup method of communication with other members of your family over a pretty significant distance uh, without any type of special licenses or fees. So check those guys out as well. Next, I want to encourage you to join our forum if you haven't. Our forum is one of the most active and most rapidly growing online in the survival niche today. You will find information there on everything from how to plan a tree to how to customize your AR. You name it, it's there. So if you are not into guns, it doesn't matter because 99% of what's there is not about guns. If you are into guns, it, it, it doesn't matter either because there's plenty of great information. My point is, whatever you are looking for to help live yourself a more sufficient life, uh, you will find in our forum and you will find people to help you with it. Last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do, you'll get exclusive content available only to members, such as a free lifetime membership to Safe Castle um, LLC's uh, Discount Club, which is a $19 value. Uh, again, Safe Castle Royal, I guess is the way to say that. Safe Castle Royal's Discount Club, $19 discount value, discounts on everything in their store, absolutely free to you, along with some other uh, publications that are free of charge, over $60 of retail value. Your cost to be a supporting member, $50 a year or $5 a month. That works out to about $0.20 cents an episode, folks. So if you put two dimes into the iPod every time that you uh, listen to a show, consider supporting us that way. And with that, let's get on to the main topic today, which is squirrel hunting. You might think he's Jack flipped his lid. He's going to do a podcast on hunting squirrels. I mean, you know, I guess in a survival situation, we might shoot a squirrel or two, but uh, how's that help us live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't? Well, folks, give me a chance, man. I'll, uh, I'll help you out with this. I think one of the big things you need to understand about this is if you're ever going to think that you might end up dependent upon hunting as a skill to feed yourself, short-term or long-term, the time to learn is today. It is not when you need it. It is before you need it. The time to learn how to fish is when the streams are running clean and the fish are everywhere and there's not a million people trying to you know, beat, beat fish out of the water with clubs and you can take the time to learn the techniques right. Well, the same thing with hunting. The time to learn to hunt isn't when you're going to starve without it. It's today. And that makes the, 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 the humble squirrel, and when I say squirrels, I'm talking about tree squirrels, and that is, uh, you know, fox squirrels and gray squirrels primarily are what people hunt. There is some hunting of red squirrels, but they're not generally considered as desirable of a game animal. 
a very unique little creature in, in, in quite a variety of ways. Number one, the range of tree, huntable tree squirrel populations, um, yeah, you don't have a lot of them on the West Coast, right? But throughout most of the country, if there's trees and, and forest habitat, you either have fox or gray or both squirrels. Uh, now, there's a lot of the country that's grasslands and you don't have them, and I'm, I'm sorry if that's you today. Then we'll talk about something that will be where you are tomorrow or actually Monday. Um, so I can't cover something that covers every area in the United States, but if I I wanted to pick a small game animal with the, the widest range in America. There is no doubt it would be the squirrel. So there's a, just a tremendous amount of opportunity uh, that doesn't exist with a lot of other things. For instance, I love hunting rough grouse, um, but since I moved away from Pennsylvania, I uh, don't really have a lot of opportunity to do that anymore because there are no rough grouse in Texas. But I grew up in Pennsylvania hunting squirrels, and there's plenty of squirrels down here. You get my point. Uh, same thing with ringneck pheasants. So I used to hunt ringnecks in Pennsylvania a lot. Not a whole lot of pheasants in Texas unless you go out and pay for ranches where they're kind of stocked and all. But there's no, you know, even supported by some supplemental stocking wild populations of pheasants on land that I can just go hunt. No public land or easy to access, you know, simply by asking private land. So the squirrel has this huge range that gives an opportunity to probably 70% of America to avail itself within a few hours or less of their home to go hunt them. And that's, that's a unique thing. Um, the next thing about them that's, that's really kind of you know unique to them is how good they are at teaching skills for something that's so prevalent, has such a high population, is so easy to actually be successful on. If you hunt squirrels often, you'll become a good hunter. You'll become a good hunter with just about any game that you'll ever pursue. And I think there's a propensity for people to go to a park or look at your bird feeder in your backyard and you see that little furry rat creature that comes there and eats your sunflower seeds or begs for peanuts from people in a park or what have you and you think, hunting a squirrel ain't hunting, you just go out and shoot them. Okay, those squirrels never get hunted. They're not going to get hunted. They're in protected areas, and that's why they are that way. They know that they're relatively safe. When you go to a place where squirrels are hunted, or at least not even hunted, but maybe protected from being hunted, things get different quick. Even if you go there, let's say the first time, and you take a couple, they figure it out really fast. You have to think about this. A squirrel, when he's born and when he's little, has a real problem worrying about snakes. Snakes will often crawl up in a nest and clean them out. Um, so there's one predator, and then birds of prey are another predator that they have to deal with. Uh, while they're on the ground, they have to worry about things like foxes and, and uh, bobcats. Uh, if you live in an area where there's cougars, cougars will take them. Uh, just about anything big enough to take a squirrel will take a squirrel as a meal. That's because they're good eating little critters. And uh, because of that, when you have them in an area where they're not you know, afforded protection and afforded, afforded separation from predators, they are one of the most alert little animals in the world. So that means when you show up, they know you're there before you see them. So you do have to hone your skills quite a bit to be a successful squirrel hunter, especially after, let's say, day one or day two of a squirrel season in an area where squirrel seasons are fairly controlled. They're not everywhere, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but that makes them 
a really great way to teach a new hunter skills, whether they're a young hunter or if they're just even maybe a person that's, you know, a, an adult but has never hunted. They're one of the best things to cut your teeth on, so to speak, out there. The next thing is they have really high limits. Now, let's say you take a new hunter deer hunting. A lot of states have like a one deer a season limit. Right now, let's say that guy gets lucky on the first day of the season. Deer just walks out. He shoots. And he ain't really learned anything. It happens to all of us. Sooner or later, we get lucky like that. Uh, but he's done for the season. He's not going to learn a lot that first season. Now, does that mean he shouldn't take the shot? No, he should take the shot, right? Put meat on the table. Meat in the larder. But you get my point. Bang. Done. Over. Even things like, you know, I don't know, a lot of places have limits on rabbits that are relatively low, two rabbits or something like that. Squirrels have limits in most states. I've seen limits between six and eight. Some states don't even have limits because they don't have enough hunters that pursue squirrels. So with that high limit, and I haven't seen anybody with a season limit, you can go hunting often and and take a lot of them home and uh, put a lot of meat in the freezer, honestly. I know they're small individually, but they start to add up pretty quick. So that high limit affords you the opportunity not just to teach skills, learn skills, and even if you're a seasoned hunter to hone your skills, but to spend a lot of time, a long time doing it. Uh, It is a very enjoyable sport, and uh, it will extend your hunting time uh, because you'll be able to hunt them when others uh, are, other things are not available. That's kind of my next big thing about them is they have a uh, long season. There's a very long period of time for most states that you have an open season on squirrels. Some states have almost no season at all. There's, there's states out there that basically have a period, they have basically a closed season is an easier way to look at it. And that'll be in the spring when they're breeding and they don't want the, uh, the young left in a nest starving. And, you know, I, I don't think squirrels are really good eating that time of year anyway. And they tend to have a lot more fleas and ticks and everything like that. But pretty much throughout the cooler part of the year when squirrel hunting is, uh, is something you might enjoy doing. And the very early spring when it's still cold and they're coming out and eating the, the early berries and stuff like that, uh, there's states that have almost a non-existent period of time that you can't hunt them. So they have that extremely long season, and that affords you a lot of opportunity. Uh, the next thing is I think a lot of people will be surprised to find out how good eating squirrels are. Um, I know that there's the whole rodent connotation, and it's a tree rat and stuff like that. If you've never eaten a squirrel, you might have a mental block to that. All I'm going to say is give it a shot. Because you don't know until you try something whether you're going to like it or not. And let me tell you, squirrel is one of the best eating things you can get your hands on. I prefer squirrel to rabbit. Um, It doesn't taste just like chicken. It is very similar in texture and flavor and color to chicken. You know, everybody says everything tastes just like chicken. Uh, If it tasted just like chicken, well, hell, you might as well eat chicken, right? Squirrel is a bit different than chicken, but if you like chicken... There's going to be nothing there that's really going to put you off as far as flavor or texture. I'll put it to you that way. Um, But they are really good to eat. We'll talk a little bit about some ways to prepare them toward the end. And then... You know, the last thing that I think has really gotten to be more important today than it's ever been in history, because so much uh, land has been developed or purchased, is that they're easy to get permission to hunt for. 
And what I mean by that is if you go go find yourself, you know, a ranch in Texas somewhere, or forget a ranch, I mean, even just like, a, say a guy's got himself 20 or 30 acres kind of in a rural area, and he's got some uh, game on it, and you went out and said, hey, I'd like permission to hunt your property, he's either going to say no, or he's going to say, well, let's talk about a lease, let's talk about a fee for this, especially with deer, and especially a state like Texas. And that used to be really big down here in Texas, but throughout a lot of the rest of the country, um, you could just get permission by asking. There's plenty of public land out there uh, as well. Or if there was a lease, it was like you didn't mind it because it was something that was like, you know, you had like four guys and you're going to hunt some guy's pretty large farm and he, you know he's a farmer and he struggles year to year based on seasonality and four guys chucking in 200 bucks a piece to give the guy $800 a year was like, hey man, this guy's nice, he lets us hunt, uh, it gives us exclusive rights to this little farm, uh, we don't just hunt deer here, we hunt turkeys, we're here all the time, we come by in the summer and shoot groundhogs for him, whatever, he's a nice guy, and it was more of like, it was a support thing for the local farmer, well now it's turned into a business. And because it's turned into such a business in so many areas of the country, it's harder and harder to find places to hunt. And that's not just deer. Um, People are paying pretty steep lease fees for ducks and geese now. Uh, people are paying pretty steep lease fees, believe it or not, for uh, for doves. I said yesterday when I talked about shotguns and dove hunting, hey, there's a lot of places you can get a day lease for 50 bucks to shoot doves. And that doesn't sound expensive. Uh, but do it 10 times in a season. And that's $500 to shoot doves. Right? So... You with squirrel, you really don't deal with that. I think in most areas, if the person is open open to allowing hunting on their property at all, and you want to come there and shoot some squirrels, they're pretty much going to say, "Hey, if that's all you want to do, come on out and look, you know, take all you want, please." In fact, um, there's a lot of uh, people that actually look at the squirrel as being a vermin. Uh, a lot of farmers. I, I tell you what. You might be able to find a lot of people with like small orchards that are surrounded by woodlots that actually have problems with squirrels that would, they might even pay you a small bounty to shoot them. I'm telling you, uh, the squirrel is not a welcome creature in a lot of agricultural settings, so getting that permission is easy. Now again, we're back to opportunity to hunt. And, and that's one of the things you often need for an opportunity to hunt is permission to hunt on land. The other thing is, if you go out and buy yourself five acres of woodland somewhere, maybe for your little remote bug out location, maybe just because you want yourself a little piece of land to go camping on, whatever your motivation is, five acres and managing that for deer, not really easy to do. Five acres and improving the habitat for squirrels and attracting a lot of squirrels to it and being able to go to your own little oasis and hunt even just a few hours from civilization and having a good, healthy uh, squirrel population that tends to return year after year after year to allow you some hunting, pretty easy to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, about managing for squirrels and why it makes a lot of sense in a second as well. So those are some unique things, and I think it it makes the squirrel a little less one-dimensional when we think about it that way. And I'll tell you what, if you go out and talk to people my age and older, uh, that have hunted a good part of their life, especially in the eastern United States, and you ask them, what was the first thing that you hunted regularly, especially alone? Like you went out, when you were finally old enough to go out on your own and hunt, they're going to tell you squirrels and rabbits. Those are the two, and they're going to they're gonna fondly remember hunting squirrels. And uh, 
It's something that if you teach a child to hunt squirrels, it turns them into a lifelong hunter. It is that early experience chasing a bushy tail through the trees that leads somebody to eventually, you know, maybe taking that dream trip to Africa someday, uh, as long as we stay in a world where that's even possible. So I think all of these things add up to making it a pretty significant little game animal. Now, when you actually go out to hunt squirrels, well, what do you do? Do you just walk around the woods, look for squirrels, and shoot them? Well, you can, and uh, that'll often work for a day until they, they kind of snap to the the dumb ones, you know, the young dumb ones that have never been hunted before kind of snap to the fact that, hey, you know what, somebody's trying to kill us. So you might be able to just take a walk through the woods, stay on the roads, and uh, shoot yourself some squirrels if you have some public land you can hunt or a fairly sizable woodlot or something like that. But after about a day of doing that, actually probably after half a day of doing that, they're going to figure it out. And they're going to get a little bit smarter, and they're going to be a little bit harder for you to get a shot at. So that leads you to the other three methods for hunting squirrels, and they are sitting, still hunting, and hunting with dogs. And I tell you what, the parallels to deer there are significant. A lot of states outlawed hunting with dogs a long time ago, but hunting with dogs for deer is a southern tradition, and it's done in a lot of states. So leave it there that it does happen. But right now, throughout most of the country, the two primary ways that people hunt deer are still hunting and sitting for them. Let's talk about still hunting first and explain what still hunting is and still hunting is not. Still hunting is not the first thing I said. Taking a walk through the woods and waiting and just looking for squirrels and shooting them as you see them or looking for anything and shooting them. Still hunting is also not being still. Still hunting is kind of taking a very slow, deliberate quiet walk through the woods and stopping often to listen, observe, and wait for opportunity. It uh, is really enhanced by carrying a pair of binoculars with you. Don't go overkill. You want something in the neighborhood of like a four-power binocular uh, because you want a wide field of view. You're looking mostly for movement, a twitch of a tail with a squirrel, uh, a twitch of an ear with a deer, a tip of an antler with a deer, uh, an eyeball with a squirrel. These are the things that you're trying to spot because what happens is you're moving through. The natural instinct of the prey animal is to go motionless. But the squirrel has this uh, this innate tendency to shake that little tail, and you'll often spot that as you look around. And then if you spot the animal he's too far out, you can begin an attempted stalk on them. So those that, that's, that's one very good method of squirrel hunting. I find it very enjoyable. And the other method is sitting, and that you go to an area that squirrels should frequent, a good stand of uh, white oaks or a good stand of hickories. In the spring, you might be looking for mulberry trees if you're spring hunting for squirrels. Uh, but you go to an area where there should be good squirrel habitat and you prop yourself up against a big old tree with either a 22 or a shotgun and you wait and you listen. And as, you, as the squirrels begin to move around, you shoot them. And I'll give you a couple techniques here for sitting for squirrels that you probably would have never heard 
anywhere else. And the, some of these can be used with still hunting as well. And in fact, in, I would say all of them can be used with both. And I'm reaching down here to get myself a couple coins, and uh, I'll explain that in a second. But uh, give me just a second, folks. This is a complicated maneuver I'm making here. Number one, when you're sitting for squirrels or when you're uh, still hunting, and a lot of times you'll see a squirrel that's kind of moving around, and he's moving too fast for you to get a good shot at, and you want to get him to stop, a quick little whistle or a quick little shh like that will often cause them to freeze exactly where they're at. That's long enough for a shot. Get the gun up first. Get the gun up, track them, as soon as they stop, bang. Um, another thing is that I know a lot of people are big on you know buying a little squirrel calls and the noise that they make and the, the barking and the alert sound. The problem with those calls is a squirrel only makes that sound when he's upset about something. All right? And when he's upset about something, that's an alert for all the other squirrels. So some of them might, might come check it out, but mostly they're likely to hide. Or if they do come check it out, they're on a heightened sense of alert. There's a danger in the area. Is it a man? Is it a hawk? I don't know, but something's trying to get me. So what is the number one thing that you would think, would think a squirrel could do to attract another squirrel uh, other than in mating season? What do you think that is? Let's well, eat noisily. When a squirrel's sitting there cutting hickory nuts or cutting acorns uh, and making a lot of noise doing that in, in a quiet woodland situation, that noise travels pretty far, especially for a creature with the ears of a squirrel. So when he hears another squirrel eating, he's saying, well, there's a lot of good food over there. Maybe I better go check that out. And a lot of times when you have a squirrel kind of, you can see he's out there. You can see his tail moving around. You could be still hunting um, or you could be uh, sitting. You know he's there. You want him to come a little bit closer. You want him to investigate. This is the sound you need to make. Might be hard to hear. But that sounds in the woods especially, and that sound as quiet as it might sound right there will carry a very long distance in the quiet woods. What is that sound? That's taking two quarters between your your uh, your your main pointing finger and your thumb, laying on your hand and rubbing them back and forth together. That's all that is, and that sound will it be very attractive to squirrels. It'll also when maybe you're in a situation where you don't want to do a whistle or a sh- sound or anything like that. It's also pretty good at stopping them without alerting them or making them afraid. So it's something that you might want to try if you go out there and squirrel hunt. Dog hunting. Let me talk about dog hunting with squirrels real quick. There's a lot of dogs that people use for squirrel hunting. Jack Russell's actually a great dog for squirrel hunting. But there's two main dogs. There's a little dog called a feast. I'm sorry, a feist. I always call them feast. It's a feist, like feisty. Uh, the feist has got probably Jack Russell in it and, and a bunch of uh, rat terrier and other stuff going on in there. And... Uh, the feist is probably one of the best squirrel dogs there is because the fact that they're small, they're they're very quick through the woods, and they're they tend to be pretty specific to squirrels, and they've been bred for a lot of years um, to tree them. And uh, they're a great dog for squirrel hunting. And the other dog that gets used a lot, and is kind of maybe a little bit more versatile for hunting some other things, is the cur. And, uh, by the way, Old Yeller was a cur. 
And you might have heard people say, you old cur dog, and they mean it in a bad way. Well, the curs are actually a really great dog. Now, the thing about both of these dogs is they're very much American dogs. And they're both really mongrels. Mongrels that have become breeds. And they're both very good dogs uh, for families as well. So, uh, neither one of them is going to be real good in a dove field. Uh, But, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, they're great companions for the home, and uh, getting a feist is uh, something I'm looking forward to doing when we finally move to Arkansas and uh, spending some days out there and uh, developing a relationship with a new hunting buddy. So I just wanted to throw a little bit about um, the dog hunting side of things. And uh, dog hunting is decidedly different from still hunting or sitting. Basically, the dog does the work. You just kind of follow them, and uh, they'll get out ahead of you, and you might not even see them. You want to make sure you train them well. There's a lot of great information out there. There's actually a squirrel dog forum. And believe it or not, the squirrel dog forum has about five times as many members as a survival podcast forum. So this isn't a novelty. This is a this is a big deal out there for a lot of people. And uh, you can learn a lot from those guys. But what I learned from them and what I'm looking forward to doing is having the dog do the work. And uh, once they're trained well and they know how to bark treed and they got that squirrel in a tree and start barking him treed, you just kind of mosey up to the tree and start moving around and looking to find a shot and knocking the squirrel out of the tree. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I've actually done it one time with a guy that had a pair of a, uh, actually a, a, a feist and a cur, and uh, it was a lot of fun hunting that way. So something you might want to look into, and then you have a, yet another uh, security measure around the house. Now, let's be honest. A feist is a pretty small dog. They're in the 20 to 30-pound range. Uh, not going to be much of a watchdog, but uh, what I've seen out of curs is they're real gentle family dogs, but if they feel a family's threatened, you're going to have to put them down to get to a family. Uh, they'll, they'll give their life to defend a family. Uh, makes me think maybe that would be a better squirrel dog for me than a feist. Who knows? Anyway, let's talk a little bit here about uh, managing squirrel properties. Now, why the hell... When something like a squirrel just shows up everywhere, a little rodent in a tree, would you want to manage your property to get more of them? Well, because then you'll get to hunt more of them. And the other side of this is, if you do effective land management for squirrels long term, which is putting in a lot of hardwood mass, you're also managing for deer, you're also managing for turkey. If you live in the right area, you're managing for grouse. The same long-term things that a squirrel needs, you know, all the rest of our main game animals need as well, so it just makes sense. But the unique thing, again, with a squirrel is you could have a few acre woodlot somewhere, and you could manage that for squirrels, where that might be difficult with other animals. And if you ever had to go there, there's at least some source of protein that's routinely coming around that you could harvest, survivalist folks, right? Um, but there's four main things that you, four main things that you need. Sorry if I'm distracted. The traffic is just freaking phenomenal today with stupidity. And yet I haven't had an auto rant today. I'm holding it in for a full week without snapping out, folks. Um... But there's, there's, uh, there's four main things that we need to uh, make sure that we're providing everything that a squirrel needs. And they are cover, food, water, and shelter. And cover is the first one. Without cover, you have nothing. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. You think, well, food and water, and they'll die or they won't show up. And shelter, they need a place to live in and breed. Okay, well, I'm going to show you how if I take away one uh, one thing, cover, those other three won't matter anymore so that you don't lose sight of how important it is. If we got a great big 20-acre field 
And in the middle of that field, I set up some poles, nice wooden poles the squirrels could easily climb, and uh, put a nice breeding boxes up on those poles, spaced them out nicely, put in a whole bunch of feeders loaded up with acorns and sunflower seeds and everything else a squirrel could love, and put in a few troughs of water, but we got rid of every single solitary bit of cover. This was a flat grass 20-acre field, and that squirrel had to go, you know, half of the distance of that field to get to anything through the open. You won't see any squirrels there. You won't see a single squirrel in that middle of that field. They won't show up because it's too long open to the air. That bird of prey thing is a big deal to a squirrel. Um, so much so that when there's a shadow overhead, they immediately take cover. And they figure out if it's a danger after they take cover. That's the number one thing that takes out squirrels is hawks and falcons. So without good cover, um, you're not going to have good squirrel habitat. What that means is if you have wooded areas that you want to encourage a breeding population of squirrels to take up residence in and be a natural renewable resource for you, don't turn it into a park. Don't cut out every bit of underbrush. Leave them cover both high and low. They'll need it, especially if you're going to provide supplemental feed. Um, once you start feeding squirrels, um, it becomes like a magnet. They'll show up at that feeder every day. They'll spend a lot of time there, and they'll eat it every day, even wild ones out in the woods somewhere. I mean, it's a, it's a magnet. So it also becomes a magnet for their prey or their predators. So what will happen is once a hawk figures out that there's a squirrel feeder somewhere, He'll camp out in a tree, and he'll just pick them off one at a time until there aren't any any more coming in. And then he'll leave, and when they start showing back up again, he'll come back. So you need to provide a lot of cover around your feeders. Um, a lot of people that, uh, that put feeders out long term will actually... Above in the tree, place a uh, like a frame with uh, chicken wire around it, so that if a hawk does try to make a, an attack from above, uh, the squirrel has some overhead cover, and you leave a lot of uh, cover available to get to and away from the feeders, and that'll reduce your hawk problems. Because trust me, folks, out in a place where there's a hawk population, they'll pick your your, your squirrels off like it's a supermarket. Um, the next thing is water. It's not something we generally have to worry about a lot, but if there is no surface water on your property, you may want to consider providing some supplemental water. And then shelter, and this is a place you can make a big difference. The number one thing causing problems, and believe it or not, as many squirrels as there are in parks, there are problems with squirrel populations in the wild, is over timber harvesting. Squirrels need cavities to make their best dens. Now, they will make some of those leaf nests, but they really, especially in the, in the colder parts of the year, and when they're first giving birth, they need hollow cavities and trees, so leaving your big mast oak trees and hardwoods is important, but the other thing is you can build boxes for them, and about three boxes per acre is a good number, because anything more than that, and uh, they're not going to get used, I mean, you actually can go to about four to five, but you're only going to get about two families per acre using those boxes, because they're territorial, they'll push the other weaker animals out of the area, but so why don't you just do two? Well, because squirrel likes to move from box to box. Um, no one gives a squirrel a flea bath or a tick bath, and they attract a lot of insect pests. So what a mother, mother squirrel will do with her young is when a nest gets so infected with fleas, she'll go 
find a new place to nest, and she'll just move the babies, and that'll reduce her flea problem for a while. And they might move a clutch three or four times before that clutch is big enough to leave. So it's important to give them more nesting areas than you actually have in population. So, hey, you know, we're over 35 minutes here, and uh, we're still talking about squirrels. I told you there's a lot to know about these little creatures. Uh, Next thing. Let's talk a little bit about eating them before we wrap up here. Number one, if you shoot your squirrels uh, with a shotgun and you end up with a lot of bloodshot meat, or if you take a shot with a 22 and you end up taking like a shoulder shot because you couldn't get a headshot or something like that, um, you'll be looking at the meat and you'll be going, man, this meat looks pretty bad with bloodshot. Easy way to deal with that is to put about, oh, I don't know, I I usually do it by hand, so I'm going to say it's less than a quarter cup, but maybe right around a quarter cup of salt uh, to a pretty good-sized bowl of water, a bowl big enough to hold four or five uh, skin squirrels. Soak them in salt water overnight. It'll draw that bloodshot out, and it'll make them a little bit more tender as well. A lot of times I'll do the salt bath soak, even if they are not bloodshot, even if they're all 22 headshots, um, because it does seem to tenderize the meat a little bit, especially in older animals. Some of my favorite ways to eat squirrels are um, I like them grilled. Some I don't see a lot of people doing, but grilling a squirrel is a great way to cook them. You do want to be careful you don't overcook them. It makes a lot of sense to kind of like split them in half basically um, or kind of open them up so to speak, like split the rib cage and flail them out flat because you don't want to overcook them. You also don't want to undercook them either. They're something you really don't want to eat with uh, blood still in the meat. So uh, not just throwing them kind of haphazardly on the grill is uh, helpful in that. Very good barbecued. Uh, They're actually really good fried. Rolled in a mix of flour and uh, cornmeal. Briefly fried until they're crisp and then finished up in the oven on a bake. Great way to eat squirrels. Old-fashioned squirrel stew. Really good stuff. That is my absolute all-time favorite way to eat squirrels. I pretty much quarter them up throw them in there in chunks. I don't debone the meat. Uh, as you're eating it, you just kind of pick up your piece and, and eat the meat off the bone that way. Uh, it's not really an inconvenience at all, and it's an absolute phenomenal way to, to, to make squirrels. They don't have any fat on them, so using some bacon fat when you're initially browning them will add some fat to the stew, give it a little bit more flavor. But basically, any good solid beef stew or lamb stew recipe, just do the same thing to make your squirrel stew. And then canned squirrels actually really good. It's a great way to make um, squirrel stew because the meat's all nicely tenderized as well. Uh, I'll throw in one more thing when it comes to cooking squirrels. When you're going to grill them or bake them or do anything with them, if you give them about 10 minutes in a pressure cooker first, uh, so they're not completely cooked, but they've been pressure cooked a little bit, it will tenderize them a great deal. And I think you'll find that your squirrels that are kind of young of year animals, a little bit smaller, they're pretty tender. But a squirrel that's even you know one full season old and has been around through one hunting season and made it to his second before you bagged him, um, those bigger animals are a lot tougher. And if you shoot an old one, they're really tough, and that pressure cooker will tenderize them quite a bit. So I know today was different, but hey, i got to come up with some oddball stuff once in a while for you guys. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the bushy-tailed little squirrel is a great way to teach a new hunter to hunt, and a great way to enjoy yourself as even an old seasoned hunter. It's a, the, the squirrel I owe something to, folks. It's a big part of who I am today. All this stuff about gardening and fishing and the outdoors and, and, and my commitment to self-sufficiency 
Christian. See, it all goes back to my childhood. It all goes back to my youth. And it all goes back to a genuine love. An absolute genuine love for the outdoors. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. A lot of that genuine love for the outdoors was spending a day um, that would have made an elk hunter tired. Chasing squirrels across Pine Hill Mountain and Sharp Mountain in Pennsylvania. And sometimes coming back with six of the little buggers and some, sometimes coming back with none. Uh, good years and bad years, squirrels follow cycles just like any other animal. Uh, in, a, in a year following a low mast year, there's going to be less of them. In a year following a high mast year, there's going to be more of them. Um, they, wrote, they go through those cycles. There's times of plenty, times of scarceness. But they're out there all the time. And they're a great way to either reconnect or begin connecting to that part of us that didn't always live from a supermarket. And uh, if you need a little help learning how to take care of a squirrel and skin it, plenty of videos on YouTube, so I won't be doing one of those and grossing anybody out and doesn't want to see it and watches it anyway. That information's out there as well. And all I'll say is give it a try. And if not squirrels, then go out and hunt rabbits or go out and hunt doves. Uh, we're getting close to the beginning of hunting season in a lot of the country. Uh, we'll go through kind of the dove season first and we'll move into small game and then a lot of places will move into their deer season. Think about it this year. Think about giving it a shot and for a person that's never hunted before and um, wants to give it a shot, other than taking a guided hunt or finding a really good mentor, it's really hard to kind of cut your teeth and go out your very first time and go out and hunt deer. There's a lot of undertaking there. Once you put it down, it's a big animal. you got to deal with it. Knocking down a squirrel or a grouse or a duck or a dove, it's a lot less uh, to deal with, a lot higher chances of success, and that success might just lead you to a life in the outdoors. My final thing today with this, take a kid hunting. If we're going to protect the Second Amendment, and if we're going to protect the uniquely American way of life, where an American citizen can go out, pick up a gun and go out into you know millions and millions of acres of public land that's out there and uh, millions of acres of private land that you can acquire one way or another permission to be on and go out and harvest game and bring it home and cook it up and feed his family with it, bring to preserve that, we need another generation of hunters. And it is uniquely American. It's, it's definitely uniquely North American. A lot of Canadians still have the freedom to do that as well. They don't have quite the same freedom, but it's still there. But, you know, that comes from the people that came here hundreds and hundreds of years ago that left Europe in a, a class system where the game was reserved for royalty. And a commoner that killed anything for his own use was considered a poacher. Let's preserve everything that made this nation what it is. And even if you're not a hunter, support organizations that support hunters. Because hunters are part of what made America what it is. Without the hunter, without the hunter, we wouldn't have the America that we know today. Let's work hard to preserve that America. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler It really doesn't matter Cause it all gets spent